Hey, if you're a workplace coach or work in HR or anyone working with challenging conflict situations at work, we've created a coaching method that any coach can learn. The goal of New Ways for Work Coaching is to help employees or whoever is taking it to learn personal relationship skills for productive relationships. Essentially, it gives employees a chance to learn new skills and to change before big decisions are made about their employment. Sometimes they're just lacking skills and New Ways will teach them. If you'd like to know more about it, we offer our New Ways for Work coaching training two to three times a year. And these trainings are a combination of on-demand, which you can watch 24-7, and Zoom training with Sherilyn Knapp and Bill Eddy on the on-demand portions. You'll find the link for this in the show notes below. Sign up at highconflictinstitute.com forward slash upcoming dash courses or email us at info at highconflictinstitute.com. Welcome to It's All Your Fault on True Story FM, the one and only podcast dedicated to helping you identify and deal with the most challenging human interactions, those with someone who may have a high-conflict personality. I'm Megan Hunter, and I'm here with my co-host, Bill Eddy. Hi, everybody. We are the co-founders of the High Conflict Institute in San Diego, California, where we focus on training, consulting, and educational programs and methods, all to do with high conflict. In this episode, we're going to talk about ear statements, statements that show empathy, attention, and respect. Are they for everyone? Are they for all high-conflict people or just some? And if so, which ones do they work well with? But first, a couple of notes. Send your high-conflict-related questions to podcast at highconflictinstitute.com or on our website at highconflictinstitute.com slash podcast, where you'll also find all the show notes and links. All right, Bill, let's get started. So I was giving a training um, a few weeks ago and uh, was talking about the five high conflict personality types. And I had already mentioned um, a little bit about ear and hadn't given a lot of training yet about what ear statements are used for, but I'd been using them as part of the training um, in a story, right, along the way to kind of give the the audience a real-life look at when to use an ear statement and what, what high conflict looks like. So they kind of had a, a little bit of a, a nod about what it was, what what I was aiming at, but they hadn't been trained. However... One of the participants raised his hand and said, look, you know, we deal with, and this was a court setting, and he said, you know, we, we deal with everything from criminal matters to family matters to civil matters, and, and some, you know, it, it doesn't seem to matter where we are, we get some high-conflict cases. I can't imagine that your statements are going to work well with everyone. And I kind of knew what he was getting at. I think, you know, maybe the antisocial and narcissistic personality types, perhaps, why would I give them an ear statement? So I thought it might be, if, if he was interested in it, I, I suspect our listeners might be as well. So what say you, Bill? Well, first of all, let me say a little more about ear statements. So empathy, attention, and respect. So it's really coming up with a short statement that shows one or two or all three of those, that when people are upset, they need a sense of connection from the people around them or a particular person such as you. And so, for example, an ear statement could be, I can see how frustrating this is. I I hear your disappointment. 
about how this is going. I can see that this is is really important in your life. So saying those kinds of things helps people feel seen, feel heard, feel connected with. Now, it doesn't mean you know what they're feeling. That's why I say I can understand or I can see or I can hear. And if you say I can I can hear your disappointment, they say I'm not disappointed and say, oh, okay. But most of the time, people like hearing that you can see them because it looks like you're equals and it looks like you're not looking down on them like sympathy. You know, empathy is connecting as equals. So thinking of a phrase that fits the situation that starts with I can understand, I can see, I can hear is often really helpful. And just that one statement just a sentence may help calm somebody down. You know, I can see how important this decision is to you today. And in court cases where we are and talk to court professionals a lot, that's important because people are in court feeling very vulnerable. They're going to win or they're going to lose on an issue. And we teach judges just to give them an ear statement. You know, it's like 30 seconds doesn't take much time at all. But, but you know, lets them know that you can see that this isn't the easiest thing for them. Now, A, attention, is saying, I'll pay attention. Tell me more. I want to understand. And that also helps people feel seen and heard. I've got all day. maybe not (laughs) yeah well the thing is it doesn't take all day if you're fully attentive and that's the thing they talk about full attention if you give somebody your full attention it's a lot faster really to get things out and to say what they need to say now, the third part, respect. So a statement that shows respect. I respect the kind of work you do. I respect your commitment to solving this problem. I respect your time. I respect your relationship with our daughter, with our son. People really in the world today feel a shortage of respect, and they really like to hear respect. So those are three, the three kind of ingredients that really help you connect and help people calm down and feel like, you know, we're human beings that care about each other. Now, it doesn't mean that you're going to fix all their problems. It doesn't mean you necessarily even believe what they've said. They may have said something happened yesterday that sounds real strange, but you want to help them. With that said, You can use that with high-conflict people. We developed it for high-conflict people because they're very on edge a lot of the time and angry and blaming. And if they're blaming you, you can give them in your statement. Say, wow, I can see how frustrated you are. Tell me more. I really want to understand. And boom, they're calmed down. And they're talking now more, much of the time. I say your statements work about 90% of the time at calming people. Now, also, if somebody's sad, somebody's in tears, you can say this to them. And you don't have to figure out if somebody have a pattern of high-conflict behavior, 
which includes blaming others, all or nothing thinking, unmanaged emotions, extreme behaviors. That's what we think of as a pattern of high conflict behavior that we talk about high conflict personalities. But anybody that's upset, you can give an ear statement to. You can do this at home. You can do this with your kids. So the idea is it's connecting and it's calming. Now, we get to the big question is, does it work with everybody? I would say of the five high-conflict personality types that we talk about, we're not diagnosing people. We're just giving you background, general knowledge. So let's take, for example, narcissistic personalities, people who are self-centered, try to see themselves as superior to other people, feel entitled, all of that. Well, they get into more conflicts because of that. And yet, if the people around them can calm them, then you can decrease the uh, the tension. Now, what's interesting is people with narcissistic personality traits really like respect. So if you're thinking, I want to give a statement, I don't know, empathy, attention, or respect – if you can, try to think of something that shows respect. I respect your good record keeper. You brought in some useful information. Or I respect your time. I had a client who was a difficult ex-husband who may have had antisocial traits. And I said, because antisocials also like respect. They do a lot of bad stuff to get respect, but not all of them. Some of them really want respect. And so I said, sprinkle your conversation with the word respect. I respect your relationship with our daughter. I respect your time. I respect your commitment to the, solving this problem. Things like that. And she said this really calmed him down. He was like, oh, good. You know, I, I appreciate that you respect. I didn't know if you did. And so antisocial and narcissistic personalities really like respect. Now, borderline and histrionic personalities, which are more emotional or more trying to connect and be cared about, really like empathy and feeling that you say a statement, empathy, you know, I can see how upsetting this is to you. I can see how hard this is, how sad this is, all of those things. You're not trying to open up emotions. You're, you're identifying emotions. So I can see this, and my experience is most people with those personality traits really appreciate that, and they've got my full attention. And so I'm really tuned in, and they, they immediately calm down, and I can do this on the phone, do this on Zoom, do this in person. Now, the thing to watch out for, which maybe they're looking for, is can we do too much of this with the wrong people? And I would say if you give too much empathy, you have just lots and lots of empathy with someone with narcissistic personality traits or antisocial personality traits, they're going to start manipulating you. 
So the antisocial is going, well, if you really cared about me, you would sign this form for me that says I get to do all these things that I really shouldn't do. <laughs> I worked in a substance abuse treatment in a psychiatric hospital, and we get some antisocial addicts, and they're highly manipulative. And you give them a lot of empathy, and they're going to take advantage of you. So better to respect and then move on to let's look at what we can do now. Same with narcissists, empathy, they're going to start to manipulate that. This isn't to say that borderline and histrionic don't like respect, but what they're really looking for is empathy. And, and maybe attention, acknowledgement. Yeah. And all of them want attention. And you can give them some attention. You give them full attention for five minutes. That may save you an hour of them trying to get your attention. Mm. So an acknowledgement, I hear this um, often um, from some that, you know, I just, I just need to be acknowledged. He didn't acknowledge me. And so if you acknowledge, there's a, a, a form of attention, right? Yes. Yes. Well, I think acknowledgement is like paying attention and letting them know, I see you and I see what you've done and I'm acknowledging that. And you're important to me. No one cares about me. Well, you know, there's a lot of people I think that care about you. And I think I can really help you and I want you to succeed. So I'm here to, I'm here to help and help you look for who, who does care about you. And I professionally care about you. I'm not supposed to be a friend. That's against the professional ethics. But within the context of my profession, I do care about you and want you to succeed. And there you have it, podcast listeners. There's Bill Eddy, ear statements on the fly. <laughs> if he had a, a, a microphone, he could do a mic drop. Because that's, I mean, and that's how easy it is. But you have to, you have to genuinely care and you have to be authentic. And yes. Just realize that, you know, you, you come into this, you have to come into this work with, with compassion. And true compassion means you can use an ear statement, even when someone is unlikable or someone is escalating a lot and saying, you know, maybe dropping some F-bombs and saying things that aren't very, very nice. And I think it really helps me, and I really agree and want to reinforce that you need to be sincere is I, I think of high-conflict people, people with personality disorders, that mostly develops as a result of genetic tendencies, early childhood experiences, and the culture they grow up in, none of which do they have control over. So here they are, they're 20 or 30 or 40, and they have abrasive personalities, and it's not really their fault. And this is a way to calm them and help them succeed. So I think it's a great way to be compassionate and to pay attention to that. These these aren't people that that we should dislike. These are people that we should help. Yeah, and I've been saying this at the at the start of all my trainings lately. Over the years, I've been doing it more and more, just to to help people understand that that this isn't someone who ordered this on Amazon. They didn't ask for you know to have an operating system that's sort of programmed this way, and so we have to be informed of how to best um, help them so they can get through our processes. They can get through our systems. They can um, even learn to help themselves somewhat. Okay, so now let's think about, I want to ask about the paranoid personality, and then I want to ask, uh, ask about combining ear statements and setting limits. So 
the paranoid personality fears, uh, and I mean, we're not diagnosing, of course, and things, but there's a f- fear of, of being betrayed. And so what's a, what are good ear statements for someone who's sort of just suspicious about most everything? Kind of a combination of all three is I, I can understand that, that you don't trust the system and you're worried about working with me, that I'm, I'm your lawyer or I'm your mediator. And I can understand that you have concerns about that. And I respect that. And I respect your boundaries. I'm not going to ask you to open up a lot about things. That's not necessary. And I do want to help you. And now here, as with all of the personalities, you give your ear statement and then move into problem solving is say, and I do want to help you and I do respect you and your efforts. And we have some policies we have to follow. So let's look at what your choices are now. So when you give an ear statement, you don't have to just that's the end of the conversation is you can look at let's look at how I can help you now. You know, here's the next step. And so I believe your statement and then let's look at your options, look at your choices. And that way you're not lingering and and the door is open to go back into emotions that you've given your ear statement. Hopefully there's a little feeling of connection. And now you're looking at what you can do. I think that's the part that that people kind of forget sometimes is is it isn't just an ear statement alone. Sometimes it is. Sometimes you can just use one and, you know, someone's de-escalated and now, you, you know, things are fine. But it, you want to be in most circumstances pointing to the next step, pointing to the future, some something getting them focus on, focusing on their options and making choices, that, like you said, Bill. You know, we, we also talk about setting limits, um, which is equal to connecting. It's as, as important as connecting and, and all of the skills we use in, in de-escalating individuals and, and helping manage those who have a hard time stopping themselves. And so uh, I guess the question is, do you just outright set a limit or do you use a little ear plus setting a limit? I think setting limits with ear statements is really the way of the future. And no matter who it is, you don't have to figure out who it is. You have to set limits is have some empathy for the person. You know, I know this may not be what you were looking for. I know this may be hard. And here's the limit. So I'll I'll give you an example. As a lawyer, I was representing a woman who was a victim survivor of domestic violence. And I had to negotiate with her soon-to-be ex-husband was very disrespectful. And so he'd call up and I have to talk to him because he didn't have a lawyer and we'd have to work things out for their divorce. And he'd say, you tell that blankety blank, 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 that she's doing everything wrong, blah, 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 blah. And I said, hang on, hang on. You can't talk about my client that way. If you talk that way, I'm going to have to hang up. And I understand this is hard, but it's very important that you talk civilly in this process. And so please don't use those words. And he said, well, I'll use any words I want. And he starts using them again. And I say, okay, looks like you've made a decision. I have to hang up. So I'm hanging up. You call me back when you're ready to talk civilly. So I I feel like in doing that, I wasn't against him. I was stopping the conversation 
But I had some empathy for him. This is hard, and it's hard to shift gears that quickly. Anyway, he calls up the next day and starts that way. And I say, remember, I'm going to hang up. It's up to you. If you talk that way, I'm going to have to hang up. So really try to hang in there and just talk civilly. And he's like, oh, okay, yes, yes, don't hang up. I'm going to try to talk civilly. So by connecting with a person you're setting limits on, I think it it adds to the respect in the universe. And it's not easy. I think of times when I was just so focused on setting the limit, I forgot about empathy, attention, and respect. But if you can, combine those People often really grow from the experience. And think about children, that children, they're angry, they're upset, it's bedtime, and it's like, yeah, I know it's hard, I know you want to stay up, and it's time to get in bed. (laughs) (laughs) No choices. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes there's no choices. (laughs) Yeah, uh, interesting. Uh, Yeah, my three-year-old and one-year-old grandsons were here a couple of weeks ago, and I just... Spent much, much, it just gave me ample opportunity to practice uh, explaining choices, giving them choices. <laughs> and it worked. It makes uh-huh. people think, even little ones. No, maybe not the one-year-old, but the three-year-old for sure. Instead of fit-throwing, it was, mm, let me think about that. Oh, okay, I don't want to get in trouble, right? So it's a good thinking tool. Now, we've been, you know, kind of talking in the capacity of a helping professional, right, or in, in the workplace, so to speak. Now, what if you're in, you know, a, just a, you know, a neighbor relationship or a, you know, a family relationship, a friendship, or just some brief interchange? And I'll, I'll give you an example. Last week, I, I got into um, an Uber. Immediately, the driver let me know he was, he spoke seven languages. He was a very, very important person and uh, basically wanted me to to respect that right away. And so I engaged in in a little bit of conversation, and uh, this went on for uh, it, it only took about two minutes before I was thoroughly confused. Um, he claimed to be an expert on world cultures, and here we are in this Israeli-Palestinian uh, war, and that's what he was bringing up. And I'm a, a, a lone woman in his his vehicle, and he became more aggressive and more aggressive over the twenty minute ride. Uh. And yeah, it was it was starting to get frightening. He was really trying to twist me in knots, like pin me to the wall, and and agree with his point of view, um, in a very very emboldened way. So at the beginning, you know, I was I wasn't necessarily using ear statements, but I was uh, at the beginning. I was trying to just have a have a conversation because I thought that's all it would be. And as the aggression grew, I used a little bit of ear, but I quickly switched to just setting a limit. And my limit was, I'm not talking to you anymore. I didn't say that, but I just stopped talking. Yeah, uh, because I, I actually, you know, I'm I'm not a scaredy cat. But I also realized we're living in some challenging times, and I needed to to set a limit with this person and not not let him engage with me. And I did actually report him to Uber. They took it seriously. I got the uh, the fare refunded. But um, the point being, um, I mean, I didn't ask for the fare. <laughs> that was just an extra. But uh, I wanted there to be limit setting by the employer as well. They need to know. So if you're in that situation where it's just, I mean, I was just taking a ride, right? Getting to my next uh, place and um, experiencing what was somewhat bullying, I would 
The tone. The, sounds like uh, you know, the tone. The tone. Yeah. The tone. Yeah. Just setting. What do you What do you think of that whole interchange? I mean, I didn't. Um, said using ear wasn't necessarily a good idea, and that's just set a limit. We don't have to be perfect. <laughs> yeah, right. But I also think that we do need to protect ourselves, and especially from aggressive behavior. And we have to realize is we can't control other people's behavior, but we can control ours. And so if you decide you're not going to continue the phone call or you're not going to continue the, the, the Uber conversation, you're allowed to do that. That people, you know, do what you need to to protect yourself. Maybe there sometimes is a space for an ear statement and sometimes maybe not. Today, people need to feel allowed or permission to end conversations, especially when they're going badly. One of the things I, I like to say and think about is that we're all muddling through. And as long as we're stumbling forward, I think that the world will be a better place. But it's not going to be because everybody became perfect. <laughs> it's true. But I think we, we do have to get get better at setting limits, like you said, you know, with, with ear, that's, it's a, a service, I guess, to the, to the world. And as, as things heat up in conversations, um, and they are right now, we have to learn to do that and maybe keep our opinions to ourselves. Maybe, uh, just don't engage in those with people in those conversations who, you know, are, have a very extreme or strong opinion and want you to turn to their way. Yeah. I think over and over again that people have the right to disengage. And if you're dealing with high-conflict, aggressive people, often the, the best thing is to disengage. Because if you yell at them to make them behave in the way you want, that's going to escalate them. They're, they're always on the edge of aggressive behavior in many cases. So just know that you can... Do, do what it takes to be safe. And that's another thing is let's say you're in a domestic violence situation. Don't try to calm the other person. Try to get out of the situation. People say, well, wh what can I say to calm down my abusive partner? And it may be just get yourself to a safe situation and then figure out what to do. Um, so it's not always it's not a panacea for everything. But 90% of the time, you can calm people with an ear statement and set limits and give them choices. So it's all possible, but it's not perfect. Yep. Good. I, excellent, Bill. And, and I really love the right to disengage. Yeah. Maybe we'll change the name of this podcast episode to The Right to Disengage. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not, but I like it. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope this has been helpful to you. Next week, we're going to talk about grieving uh, the loss of a, a high-conflict loved one um, or someone important in your life. Send your questions to podcast at highconflictinstitute.com or submit them to highconflictinstitute.com slash podcast. Tell all your friends about us, and we'd be very grateful if you'd leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast. Until next time, keep learning and practicing, and be kind to yourself until we all find the missing piece. 
It's All Your Fault is a production of True Story FM. Engineering by Andy Nelson. Music by Wolf Samuels, John Coggins, and Ziv Moran. Find the show, show notes, and transcripts at truestory.fm or highconflictinstitute.com slash podcast. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show. Oh, 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 o